how you are in the world matters. Overwhelm is inevitable and optional. It's time to listen up and make it optional for you. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Overwhelm is Optional podcast. So if you're really overwhelmed or you've been following me for a while, you might be thinking, why have I never got enough time? Because we never have enough time, right? I mean, there's lots of reasons for this. But if you're like me, you want to live this big, full life. So there isn't enough time, right? There's just like so many options to fill your time with. There's so much choice. There's so many things you could do. There's so many things that you feel you ought to be doing. I mean, if I just wander around my garden, which is huge, but if it was big or small, it would be the same issue. My mind automatically goes to all the things I haven't done. So the grass needs cutting, the dog poo needs picking up, there's some weeding to do, there's some vegetables that need some string to help support them, the hedge needs cutting, but you're not allowed to cut it yet, which means I've got, I'm holding it in my head until August when I'm allowed to cut it. I don't know, there's just like, there's rubble because we're renovating. So there's rubble that needs to go in bags and it's just like, there's a lot of stuff to do. And I can go into the garden and come out feeling like, oh my God, I'm completely overwhelmed with things to do and I haven't got time and anyway, I don't really want to do half of them and like, or I can go into the garden and go, lucky me, I have this amazing garden and yeah, there's some stuff that needs doing and there's always stuff to do, but that's okay. I'm just going to enjoy it. So how we look at things matters. So I just want to do some reframing if you're in that I haven't got any time because I would argue that where you're placing your attention and how you're placing your attention will determine how you feel about time because time is not linear. Um, Just like money is not that simple. You know, we think if we had more money, we'd be happier and, and things would be easier. And if I had more time, then everything would be okay. But our experience of time is very different depending on what's happening. So when we get stuck waiting for a train, the time is endless. When um, when we're in a mass hurry, we haven't got any time. That one minute makes all the difference and it goes really fast. So time is not linear. Time is an experience and how you experience it can be very much determined by how you feel. And how you feel is often very determined by where and how you're placing your attention. So see if you resonate with this, because this is this was definitely how I went on my um, route to breakdown and burnout. So I started off with, I haven't got enough time, I haven't got enough time, I haven't got enough time. So I did a time audit, which is a really good thing to do. It's a great place to start. Not anymore. I wouldn't recommend it now. I wouldn't even bother now. I just don't, I just don't do that. Um, because it doesn't work for me. It made actually made things worse, but you can do it if you want. I don't mind. I'm just going to tell you my story. I'm going to share as usual what works for me, what works for my clients. So you have got enough times so you do a time audit to see where your time is going. There's nothing there that you can drop though because you've got a lot of responsibilities. So then you hack your productivity so that you're better at using the time that you have. So this is thinking of time as linear. I only have this much time. I've got this many things to do. How do I fit them in better? So how do I become more efficient at doing things faster? Or, you know, if you're really good, you might delegate some stuff or delete some stuff. You know, the normal do it, delete, delegate. So these are all productivity hacks that can be really, really helpful. This is why I don't pay so much attention to them now. Because what happened to me is this. So I went from the I haven't got enough time, did a time audit, 
got rid of what I could, you know, really looked at my focus on what where was what was going where, what I was up to, hacked my productivity. So I just got really, really good at doing more and more and more. And as a single working mum, I was already really, really good at doing stuff. And this meant I got more done. So I got more done. I didn't get any more time. I just got more done. Can you see what happened there? I didn't get more time. I just got more done, which you think is good because you think that, well, at least I did. And I know my clients do. When I get more done, when I get to the end of that to-do list, when I when I get that project done, when I've achieved that qualification, whatever it is, then I will have the time to rest and enjoy my life. So, so t- life is always deferred. It's always in the future. There's this future point at the end of your to-do list where everything's great and you, you have a rest and then you feel great and then you just live your life in the way you really want to. So it's ringing a bell. So it starts with, I haven't got any time. You do a time audit, you hack your productivity, you get really, really good at getting stuff done. You haven't got any more time and guess what happens? People start to give you more to do. Because there's nothing like a busy person, is there? We always say, ask a busy person, because busy people get a lot of stuff done. And they tend to move quite fast. So if you want if you want something done reliable, you ask a reliable, busy person, because they'll get the stuff done. So then I became the person, the go-to person to get stuff done. And I liked that position of responsibility, because I like helping people. I was really good at it. I was really good at getting stuff done. And it's, it's enjoyable, but it's exhausting. So I don't have any more time. And even if I did have time, I was exhausted. So then I was exhausted. So I was getting masses done. So I had even more responsibility. And I was enjoying having more responsibility and being the go-to person to get people get stuff done. Because then I was helping people and helping people feels good. Do you recognise yourself in this? So now I've gone from no time to being exhausted, to having no energy. And that was through self-improvement. And this is important. When we constantly see ourselves as needing to be better, we don't get anywhere. And it's not that I don't believe we can be better or that I don't believe in growth very much. I'm completely committed to personal growth. I've just turned it on its head. I start now from the place that I'm already perfect. I'm perfect and a work in progress, but the work in progress isn't to become better. The work in progress is to let go of the muck that's you know, the junk I've picked up over the years that's not serving me and that's blocking my shininess. That's it, really. So then I get to be more me. So it's the letting go rather than the always striving to be better, 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 everything. And it's not that I don't still get thoughts that go, well, I could be better at that. It's not that at all. And it's not that I'm not learning. It's just that I'm starting from a different place. So if I choose to learn how to do something new, which I'm always doing because I love learning, it's very purposeful and it's not from a place of lack. It's a it's from a place of choice. Yeah, I really want to do that. That's really interesting and deeply satisfying. Can you see? It's quite subtle, but it's, it's actually a huge shift. You're turning upside down, start from the place where you deeply love and accept yourself. And that in itself takes practice. So some days you're like, yeah, well, I kind of know I ought to deeply love and accept myself, but I don't quite think I'm good enough for that. That's okay. Just accept that because that's where you are. And where you are is someone who is perfect and a work in progress. And the work in progress is to gradually and gently, when you're ready, allow the idea that you're not quite good enough to go. And that's it. It's not to be better. 
There's nothing wrong with you. You're great, just as you are. Honestly, just as you are. That doesn't mean you don't have opportunities for fun and growth and creativity and service and, you know, there's tons of exciting stuff. The world is full of opportunity. So it's not about staying still and stagnating and playing small and, you know, not really doing anything and not learning. No, it's the opposite. It's doing it in a different way. It's not changing the what, it's changing the how. And only changing the what if it's not what you really want. And then you can. And that's great because that's when you actually feel like you've got more time when you stop doing the things that you don't really want to do. That's when you actually get some time freedom. But that, I think, takes time. And it takes commitment to the following. So I'm going to tell you the rest. So I'm just going to recap. You start off feeling like you haven't got any time. So then you hack your productivity and get even better at getting stuff done. And then people give you more to do. And you enjoy being the person who helps. And then you end up exhausted. You haven't got any more time and you're exhausted. And any free time you do have, you can't enjoy because you're exhausted. And then you get moany because you're burning out because you're not looking after yourself really really good at getting stuff done and you love the work you do so you don't want to give that up so now you're stuck because you can't go back you can't go back to being less efficient this is the problem so what happened and then you start going why am I so tired I shouldn't feel this tired what's wrong with me maybe I've got and then we're going to google googling symptoms the google doctor of doom yeah or going to the doctor and trying to explain and doctors aren't really very good because actually they probably feel the same but anyway you know we don't have the kind of health service that deals very well with this unwellness this this not feeling right this feeling desperately tired we just we that's not what we have and that's just how it is so it doesn't work. So then we haven't got any answers. So then we're like, well, there must be something wrong with me because that person over there, comparing yourself to somebody else, is able to cope with all of it. So what's wrong with me? Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe this is wrong. And then we try and fix ourselves. So then everything, every symptom from our body becomes a problem to solve. And then we get stuck in our head and we're not listening to our bodies. And what our bodies really want is probably more fun or more rest, or more movement, more dancing, more joy, more connection, more hugs. And what are we doing? Not now, body. I'm busy. Because if I could just get this done, then you could have a massage. Then you could have a good night's sleep. Then maybe we'd have a little bit of energy to go dancing, although it's probably unlikely. You'll probably have to wait until we have a holiday. And that's not going to be for several months, because can you see? So then there's this real disconnect between our bodies and our minds, where the mind's just like, well, my body's becoming increasingly inconvenient and it's just not helping me get anything done. And, and now I'm just going to have to get even better at getting things done because I just don't have any energy. And then I've got to, you know, I can't go and have that appointment to look after my body because that doesn't fit into my day. So that'll have to be delayed. And then blah, blah, blah. and everything becomes this whirl. Well, it certainly did for me, this whirl in my head of how can I solve this problem of my body, which is starting to break but in really not very not big enough ways to take time off work or to slow down I can't really justify I can't go to bed any earlier because I'm already going to bed too early so I don't really have an evening <clears throat> and, and it's just it's this isn't fun and this started from I don't have any time and then it moved to I don't have any energy and now we've got this constantly stuck feeling tired 
exhausted and, and lethargic, just like, well, what's the point? Because I'm getting lots done. I can't stop doing any of the things I'm doing because I'm too overwhelmed to work out what to drop and I don't want to lose anything because I've worked really hard and now I'm stuck and I'm not very happy, but I don't know what to do. So there's no good, there's no good answer to this. So then you start hacking like more stuff. So you can hack your energy by hacking your diet. So for me, I did a lot of diet hacking and I love this stuff. So that means I was geeking out, cramming my brain with even more information um, about diet and exercise and all of this kind of stuff. And that made a huge difference, actually. I did feel a lot better. Then I, but I couldn't sleep because my mind was wiring because I was actually under enormous stress, but didn't recognise it. Just didn't recognise it. I just thought, you know, I accepted the fact that I was in a very stressful profession. Everybody else was stressed. I thought I was coping better than other people. It wasn't very good for me. And I thought I was coping with the stress. And I thought that I was recovering in non-work time. I was so wrong. But I was in the kind of toxic environment where you're expected to go to work when you're not well. You're expected to keep going regardless. And that's really common and really sad because it's just no way to live. It's just not right, is it? Feeling that knackered all the time. It's just wrong. It's just not good for anyone. But anyway, it's pretty normal. I'm sure that you can relate to this. So anyway, I hacked my diet. I hacked my sleep. I hacked everything I could. And then I ended up with this really strict routine and it worked. So if I followed my strict routine of diet, exercise, sleep and my, you know, productivity goals during the day, then I could get through the day without losing anything. And it (laughs) it works, but it's not much fun because it's just so strict. So and also you can't maintain that strictness because life isn't like that. Life is uncontrollable. So then there's the inevitable storms, the big ones and small ones. And then that if anything knocked me off my strict routine, then I would miss out on sleep. And then I couldn't cope because everything was so pressured that without sleep, I really couldn't cope. And then I was getting closer and close to this edge of breaking, you know, feeling like I'm going to lose my my. I'm going to lose myself at work in some way. I'm going to let somebody down. I'm going to cry or, you know, and that wasn't acceptable to me. And it it wouldn't have been acceptable. I would have lost a lot if I did in the end. And that's just, it's no good. So I was really, really trapped by trying to solve the problem of myself from trying to, to, (laughs) from treating myself as a problem rather than as a perfect being who just needed to let go of this constant need to be better, to be good enough, to be worthy. It's almost like I was trying to earn my space on the planet by being helpful and useful. And I think there's a lot of us doing that. And I just think it's really sad because it's upside down. And we don't need to earn our space. We do believe we all have something to give. But I don't think we need to earn it. I just think that by being ourselves, we, that is our gift to the world. When we are really ourselves, when you love and accept yourself, it's so good for you, but it's also so good for everybody around you. Don't you love being near somebody who just seems to be at ease with themselves? Who's like, yeah, I don't like that. I like this. I'm going to do this. Not in a selfish way, 
I don't mean those people who like refuse to compromise or refuse to, you know, say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Today we can do this because, you know, that's what the group wants to do. I don't mean somebody who's like so selfish. They always put themselves first. I mean somebody who's just at ease with themselves. They know what they like. They know who they are. They know how to take care of themselves and they don't apologize for taking care of themselves. They just are. They're just they just like themselves. They're just at ease with themselves. They're not demanding. They're not taking. They just are. There's this ease about themselves. And when you step into that by letting go of this idea that you have to, you're a problem to be solved, that you have to strive to be better, that you, you just need to be better at everything and you start to accept yourself, everything changes. And when you start to live more in alignment with yourself, so you know, knowing what you like, knowing, um, finding work that brings you deep satisfaction because it uses your unique skills, your unique wisdom, your unique knowledge and ways, you know, perspectives. Everything changes. Everything changes because you're just nicer to be around. And when we live in a in a way that really honours who we are, when we come from a place of love for ourselves, we start to create a life that works for us. And when, when our lives work for us, time isn't really an issue. It just isn't. I'd, I'm absolutely astonished at how increasingly I'm not looking at time as a, like a finite thing. And it's easy, you know, if you're in employment, you could look at me and say, well, it's all right for you, Heidi, you have your own business, you work from home. But most people who have their own businesses work much harder than people in employment or at least as hard you know like most of the entrepreneurs I know small business owners they are their worst bosses to themselves they're horrible to themselves you know they never switch off they're always there for customers they work really late at night this is really really common and they're really not okay and they find it impossible to take any time off they're not they're not looking after themselves. I wouldn't say they, if I said to them, what's your experience of time? They would say, what, what is time? I don't have any. It just doesn't exist for me. That's, that doesn't make any sense. And it's very distressing because the purpose of having their own business is that they would have more control over their time. So yeah, don't be fooled into thinking that what I'm saying is because I have choices you don't. Because as soon as you do that, you lose the the lesson that you is here for you, the gift of this episode, and you give away your power. And I'm not saying this stuff is easy or simple. I'm just saying this is a different way to look at it and which little bit of today might help you. So what I'd like to say is that instead of hacking your time and your energy and treating yourself as a constant thing that needs improving, I invite you instead to learn to value your attention. Because just like when I was wandering around my garden this morning and I noticed all the things that needed to be done and then chose not to worry about them because I was deliberately moving my attention away from everything that needed to be done and I came inside to work. And I'm still aware that there's stuff to do out there, but it's not nagging at me. Because I know, especially with my garden, I actually think of my garden as like, um, as like life. 
it's like my little, I wander around the garden and get all of these little insights and metaphors and creative ideas. So if I see my garden like life, then I can see my garden in many different ways. I can see it as a place full of opportunity for creativity. I can see it as a big mess with lots of work to do that could take me forever and is exhausting and time depleting and energy depleting and a bit depressing. Or I can see it as just somewhere beautiful to wander around and just search for unexpectedly lovely things and absorb them into my body, allow my heart to feel, allow my body to feel at ease, allow my nervous system to reset, allow myself to feel really nourished. Like There's a million different ways I can look at my garden. So my experience of stepping outside my back door is completely determined by how and where I place my attention. And so just knowing that, knowing how precious your attention is, that that's powerful because however much time and energy you do you have or don't have right now you can notice where your attention's going so i invite you instead of doing a time audit or an energy audit i invite you to do an attention audit how can you do that well you can just you you could set a timer on the hour every hour to just notice where is your attention being for the last hour where's your attention right now is it fully on this podcast or are you multitasking? I don't have a problem with that because I think podcasts are absolutely lovely for multitasking. I tend to clean or cook or drive or, yeah, that's pretty much it, really. Um, but I know people who go to the allotment or go for a walk listening to this podcast. So your attention might be split between listening and, and absorbing these ideas and thinking. But how split is it? So it's just about noticing that for you, it's not a judgment. It's not like, oh, you have to have full focus on one thing at a time. No, it's not about that. It's about where is your attention throughout your day? Where is it going? How is it going there? So is it like kind of under duress? Is it with joy? Is it with disappointment? Is it with full focus? Is it distracted? So just looking at the quality of your attention, where it's going, and is it really on the things that bring you joy, the things that satisfy you, the things that nourish you? Is it is your attention going where you choose, where you would, you know, if you if money was no object, if time and energy and everything, if there, if there were no restrictions in your life, how often is your attention on things that you really want to do? And starting from there is the only place to start, as far as I'm concerned, for solving this issue over time and energy and and not quite ever living the life you want to live, not quite ever getting around to doing the things that you really want to do, the big things and the small things. So that's what I invite you to do. I invite you to do an attention audit. Notice on the hour, every hour, or just do it at the end of the day. Just notice, where has my attention gone today? Who have I given it to? What have I given it to? And then when you do that, you can start to see it as valuable because I really think the first step is is to value our attention to see it as really precious because where you place your attention is quite literally your life the things that you attend to the people you listen to determine your beliefs the information you take in determines your perspective on what's going on in the world you know what you're doing how you're doing it that's your life there isn't a life after that 
you know, we often act as if we're preparing for life. It's like everything's a preparation for someone in the future and it's not, it's now. So it's just worth noticing where your attention's going and valuing that and being really honest with yourself. Was this the life I intended to lead or would I keep postponing it? And then dropping the judgment, keeping it neutral, getting curious, kind, playful. So if this isn't the life that I want, if I'm not getting around to doing certain things, what can I do about it? And then not making it to a big deal. So the danger is when I ask you these questions is you go, oh, my God, it's all wrong. Big overwhelm. No, instead of that, just play. So, for example, you could do the unexpectedly lovely things on the hour, every hour. Go and check that episode out if you haven't done it before. You could just dance like for one minute. <laughs> it doesn't, these things are tiny. There are tiny things you can do that are life changing. It's because often it's just the how we do it. So as soon as you drop the judgment, my life's a disaster. I'm giving all my attention to things I don't really want to do. Okay, so that's good that you know that. It's painful because self awareness tends to be painful because there's lots of shame and grief and fear involved often. So bring some playfulness to it. Well, that's a bit ridiculous. It's not what I meant to be doing. What can I do that'd be fun right now? Like hug your dog. I don't know. What's the tiniest, tiniest thing you can do to take your life back right now? Like really small. Literally the smallest thing, which is lovely. Like how soft are your dog's ears? Go for that. I don't know. You know, though. You know what you really want. Maybe you want an ice cream right now. I don't know. Anyway, I'll leave you with that. No time, no energy. Pay attention to where your attention's going. Value it. It's precious. Have an unexpectedly lovely week and I'll see you next Wednesday. To find out more about my tiny, huge, life-changing practices, please visit www.heidimark.co.uk.